The year is 1910, and bikes still rule the road, but they can't stop Mother Nature. When a race down the coast of Italy turns into a race for survival, one man will beat the odds and become victorious. Sports Film Pitch presents Frostbite. The race. Welcome to the Sports Film Pitch, where we bring amazing true stories and pitch them to you as the next great sports movie. I'm your host, Ethan Reese, a sports historian and movie quote expert. And I am bringing this great combo of sports and movies. We all love sports movies like Rudy, Moneyball, Remember the Titans. And all of these movies are based off true stories. And they all started with a pitch. And that is where we are starting. Because there are so many more true stories out there that could be made into the next great blockbuster. We're going to give you the casting so you can visualize these characters as we tell you the amazing story. And then we're going to finish it off with a great parody theme at the end. So stick around. And now is time for the pitch. So who is going to be cast in this wonderful epic movie? Well, we're going to focus on two main characters for this movie. The winner, Eugene Kristoff. And his challenger, the previous winner, Cyril Van Hort. So in casting, we're going to look, you know, similarities to look. We have pictures of these guys. And similar backgrounds. So Shia LaBeouf is who we are thinking for Eugene Kristoff. And in case you don't know, Shia LaBeouf... Known for the Transformers movies, the first three Transformers movies. He's also been in movies like Fury. More recently, he's been in Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon, which actually been well-reviewed for him kind of coming back into acting in a positive light. But he's also known way back in Even Stevens, if you're 90s kids, you loved him in that. He was in movies like Lawless and Eagle Eye, Disturbia, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Why did that get made? <laughs> the reason we are thinking Shia LaBeouf, one, they look alike. And Shia LaBeouf pulls off a pretty good mustache. And Eugene is known for having a pretty robust mustache. One of those ones you twirl, and he looks pretty good in it. <laughs> and so Shia LaBeouf has that look. He has about the right age. And LaBeouf means beef in French. And Eugene is a Frenchman. So I don't know how Shia LaBeouf's French accent is, but you know he has at least a lineage of French in him, which could kind of help in this role pretty consistent actor well known and can really kind of grab some people into this role that people would want to see more of him and his protagonist Cyril is a German Belgium German 
cyclist and we're kind of looking around to who looks like and who would be a good fit we're thinking the mcu's daniel Brawl. who is daniel Brawl? you say mcu who is he in the marvel movies well he is zemo the main bad guy in civil war and he was also in winter soldier falcon show on disney plus but he's actually been around a lot he was in Rush, you know, opposite Chris Hemsworth or Thor. So, weird connection there. He was also in Inglorious Bastards, along with many other movies, including in Overseas and here. He's got multiple credits to his name, over 77 credits. So, he's been around a lot, but he's also just kind of coming into his own, kind of known. You see him and you'll be like, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I do. I've seen him somewhere. It's like that guy you can't place, but you've seen him. So MCU Zemo is probably where everyone has seen him the most. And he is from Germany or in that German area. And in the MCU, he has that accent. And so it would work very well. Also, great mustache. You know, cyclists back then were known for their mustaches. The handlebar mustache, well, they have handlebars on their bikes. So they have to have good mustaches. Everyone knows that. Come on. So, he, he's German, he's got the accent down, he's got the evilness now, but not like in a like crazy evil way, but in a way that's very methodical, and he could play a kind of villainous role in this, not super villainous, but like just kind of that antagonist role that would be really good to have in this, as you'll see. That is the casting, the two main characters were in cast, obviously there will be more characters, but the ones that we're actually going to cast and think of while we're talking about this story. Now we come to the 1910 Milan San Remo race. Now this race was started just a few years earlier in 1907. And it begins kind of the racing season for cycling. And back then, cycling was huge. Cars were just coming into their own. And this is one of those long races. You can try and show the terrain of the race. It's a long terrain. It is a 185-mile race, or almost 300 kilometers. That's a long race. It's going to take, the record now is six hours just to do this race on a good day. And you will see... This is not a good day. This is the first of the five monuments racing in Europe. And this is kind of the, known as the easier one, or just, it's flat. Not a lot of turns, not a lot of like terrain going up and down. It is really just a, how fast can you sprint? There is hills, we'll go over that as well, and some terrain as well. But it wasn't like other races. So we come to the day in question. April 3rd, 1910. In Milan, Italy. That's where we start. We ended up in San Remo, Italy. Going along the coastline. Where you know we, the weather can be unpredictable. But even back then, they were able to predict some aspects of the weather. Obviously, it wasn't too what we have today. They didn't have satellite, but they could see things happening just in the sky or, you know, weather usually travels from 
west to east, and you could kind of know, hey, over here it's like this, and it's going to come over there, because they still had communication. Telephone was still pretty new, but they still had telegrams and things like that. So the communication was there, and they had about 120 guys about to run this race. And due to the communication that the weather was going to get bad at some point, that they thought half of them dropped out. So we can go through that and like have you know this big event and then just people just leaving, dropping off one by one by one. And like our two our two main writers are kind of like, no no, no I'm I'm sticking this out I'm sticking this out. Especially Eugene, he wanted anything really big. You know he wanted to stick it out and have a chance. The less competition, the more chances he had to win. So he he really wants to fight and stay and fight for the chance to win this race. The less entries still get a win and have a chance to really you know get put his name in the record books so we come to 6 a.m the start of the race 63 racers are at the starting line and we can look at you know eugene and him looking over at surreal and seeing him because like that guy's won it before you know he's who i'm going after pay attention to him and Seville kind of, I imagine him poking fun at Eugene, you know. And I don't know why. This is in my head. But I picture him really saying crazy things to him that are like vaguely sexual, but not meaning it to be sexual. Imagine looking over at Eugene going, I'm about to give you a mustache ride downtown. He's like. Wait, you're gonna give me a mustache ride? What, what do you mean? Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you from behind so fast you'll not see it coming. Like, dude, are, are you, are you, do you like me? Is that what you? That's just how I picture him. It probably wouldn't be that way, but it probably wasn't that way. But I like to you know throw in a couple jokes there that people be like, what? And so the race starts, and surreal takes off. And he starts leading the race. And they take off. And they take off and it's mainly flat. Until they get to about halfway. When it starts to go up in elevation. Up to a little bit of a mountain peak. And this actually. Is. You know kind of grueling more. Than just starting out up a hill. Because you're already getting exhausted. And then you have to go up the hill. And so we'll really go. And we'll kind of have that race back and forth, you know, Eugene kind of keeping track as Surreal kind of takes the headway on the race and continues to lead the race. You have that race until we get to the hill. And that's when the snow starts. And it starts to come down harder and harder and you're going up the hill. And that's when the challenges start. And everyone you see, they start to like Eugene starts to pass more and more guys are just walking their bike trying to get through the snow on foot rather than on the bike and he's still pressing away going slow and steady just like the tortoise and the hare and Cyril's still trying to go as quick as possible he still has the lead and he's ahead of Christoph by about 10 minutes which 10 minutes in a race is quite a distance and you probably can't even see him very well if at all and especially as the snow's coming down he probably doesn't even know where he's at and as they go 
they're going up this hill. Zabriel is getting farther and farther away until he goes over the top of the hill. And the snow's already come down, and it's going even harder and harder. At this point, we have at least six inches of snow. And Surreal crashes into a snow. And, you know, he's a little beat up and banked up, so he ducks into a house nearby to get warm. And, like, he's like, I'm in the lead. No, no No one else is this far. I'm going to wait for this to pass. And he's sitting in the cottage, just kind of looking out. It's like, no one else is coming. It's been minutes and half hour, you know, time. Time's passed and no one's passed. Except for Eugene hasn't given up. He's able to get a new bike. His team is able to get him a new bike before they duck out because of the weather. And he's, he's refreshed and he's starting to go. Starting to move continuously. So Real has crashed. He's taken refuge in a little cottage, you know, bundled up, got his little hot chocolate with a quilt around him by the fire, you know, that nice idyllic get warm scene. And then here comes Eugene. Eugene wasn't having an easy go of it either. You know, Surreal was ahead of him, was in the snow quicker and got the effects quicker. Eugene, you know, he he's saying the road the roads are muddy and frozen and he was going into ruts and riding on the verge between posts and he, he was starting to lose where he was. And not far from the summit, he had to get off his bike as those others had before and he started to feel bad. His fingers were getting rigid, his feet were getting numb. And his legs were stiff. And I didn't tell you what these guys were wearing. They were like wearing wool stuff. Not coats. Not like normal winter wear. They were riding their bikes in a major race. So they were wearing thicker, long underwear and things like that. They were covered. They weren't wearing like, you know, biker shorts and everything like that as you see today. But... They were wearing what they normally wear, and they didn't wear helmets back then. That's another issue. They had no helmets, so you're just seeing their face, no helmets. If they fell, if they ran into a a sheet of ice or fell down a cliff, whatever, they had no protection at all. So Eugene had to seek shelter under an abandoned railway tunnel on, on the raceway. And he actually saw a tracker. These are the guys that kind of, back then, you couldn't, like, have GPS or drones or anything watching over. So you had people that would track like, hey, this guy went by and it's been six minutes since he went by. The next guy can say, hey, you're six minutes behind or you're 10 minutes behind. So you kind of knew where you were in the race compared to everyone else. Well, this guy didn't really want to talk. He was cold too. And he just held up. He was like shivering and just held up six fingers. This could have meant multiple things. Some of these guys told you how many minutes you were behind. Some of these guys were telling you what place you were in. So he could have either been in sixth place or six minutes behind. We didn't know. Or Eugene didn't know. So he really had to figure out, it's like, am I sixth? Then maybe I just give up and stop this craziness. 
But if I'm six minutes behind, I can probably catch up. And he took that. He's like, I'm going to take the positive. I'm six minutes behind. I can catch who's ever in front of me. So after he took that shelter, he pushed and carried his bike over the crest, over the top of the hill. And he was still just getting closer, closer to Surreal. And Surreal's looking out the window to see, is anyone passing me? Because no one had passed him yet. Still. But unfortunately, Eugene falls off his bike. Slips and falls. And kind of goes unconscious for a little bit. And luckily, there's a passerby that lives by. And he actually ha- an innkeeper. He you know, has an inn in the area. He's just walking by. And he you know gets him up and pulls him back into the inn that's right nearby. And gets him warmed up and tries to you know help him recuperate from the cold bitterness and this is really just a, a blizzard by this point you can you can barely see out the window you have no idea what's going on eugene as he's getting warmer he's looking out the window trying to see and he said he saw four riders go by or just four piles of mud or he couldn't tell what they were like he just saw four figures when he looked at the window that were just blobs go by could have been racers, could have been people walking by. Who knows? He doesn't know, but that makes him worried, and he really wants to get back out there. But he's having stomach cramps, and he's still, like, numb from the cold because he's not prepared for this weather. Nobody was what prepared. Yes, it was early April. You thought it was going to be you know, on the colder side, but a blizzard? No one was prepared for that. No one. So Christoph got to a point where he felt okay. He felt okay. And so he convinced the innkeeper under the innkeeper was like, no, no, you're not going. This this is dumb. Stay here. Stay here. Be safe. Your life is more important than this race. But Christoph was like, I want to win this race. I want to be the champion. I want to get my name out there. So he told him, hey, I'm going to go get medical attention at this area more than you have here. So I, I'll, I'm going to go out. And don't have to worry. I'm going to go get medical attention. But really, he was going back to the race. And he took off and he passes where Cyril is. And Cyril's like, okay, I'm just going to let him be. I'm warm. I'm good. I'm just going to chillax in this place. Okay. And so right before he, right before Eugene takes off, he actually takes a change of clothes. You know, his clothes are wet and getting frozen and things. So he takes off things of clothes. So he takes off and he's going to, he told the innkeeper, he's going to go get medical attention. It's going to be safe. Everything's going to be okay. So he takes off, but he's actually going on the race and he actually passes the little cottage that Cyrilla is in. And Cyril sees it and he's like, I've seen him go by. I've seen a couple others go by. But hey, I already won this race once. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to stay here. Okay, I'm going to make my sexual puns over here <laughs> by myself. So he takes off. Eugene takes off and he's going. He's heading down the hill. Not completely lied. Not going to get medical attention at all. And Christoph is going and he thinks he's going in the right way. But the weather is taking all the markers of the track away. So he's got to go off of memory of where he's supposed to go and he keeps driving and he actually like passes some skiers there's people cross country skiing and he's like 
where do I go? Where 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 are we going? Am I going the right way? And they they guide him to the right way where he's gonna go. And so he's unsure. You know, he's just taking these people's word for it. But they're locals. He they would know better. And so he's taking the path, whatever route he took. He doesn't even know if he took the right route. If he went off the road, if he did some funky donkey thing. But he finishes. He gets to San Rom Romeo. The little town, the finish line, and he's actually not even sure he's at the right location. He's not been there, and obviously everything looks different because like, it doesn't look like the finish of a race. Everyone's in their houses. Everyone's trying to stay warm. No one's outside, and he finishes with a, a time of 12 hours, 24 minutes, which is... Almost double what the record is now. Now, obviously, they would have been slower back then, but that's still, you know, five hours slower than the normal time expected. And they have a cutoff of 15 hours. If it takes you longer than that, you don't count. So he finishes, and 39 minutes later, another writer finishes, and eventually two other writers finish. And that's it. Four riders out of the 63 that started. Out of the over 100 people that signed up for the race, four people finished the race. Seven actually finished the race, but four people finished under the time. And Christoph had to be rushed to the hospital because even after the victory, you know, he was just hanging out because he wasn't sure he won at the time, everything like that. He figured out he, he, had, he had won, and they told him he'd won, but he had to go to the hospital for a month because of frostbite. All over his hands and all over his feet. He had to work his way back, and it was almost two years before he was able to work his way back to win another bike race. This really overtook his life. And he went, and he went into a little cafe, and he comes out victorious, Fine, fought through, survived this survival story, and was able to be a champion, known throughout the land for his great mustache and winning one of the most grueling road races ever on a bike. And that is the end of Frostbike, the race. Thank you for listening to the Sports Film Pitch. If you like the show, share it with a friend. And the more we grow, the more great stories we can bring you. If you know a great sports story that hasn't been made into a movie or hasn't got its just dues, you can let us know at the Sports Film Pitch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on SportsFilmPitch.com. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to. You can go to the website and find where all the apps we are. And if we're not on your app, let us know. We're a believer in giving back. And we're going to donate a portion of any money we generate from this podcast to a sports charity. If you have a sports charity that you are involved in and you love to be a part of, let us know. Right now, we're going to be donating to the Special Olympics, which is an organization I have been a part of basically my entire life. 
and I love to be a part of, and I love their mission. So again, let us know. Talk to us. We want to be involved. We want you to help. If there's a casting you like, if there is a story out there, if there's a charity out there, let us know everything. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode.